it's election day. The United States goes to the polls throughout the country in cities and in rural areas. Most eyes, of course, are trained on the top of the ballot. We have to earn our democracy. We have to get out and vote. For one of the most anticipated presidential races in decades. But you have to go out and vote. We must finish the job. But policy walks and government geeks are also jazzed by what's on the bottoms and backs of those ballots. I'm voting yes on 90. They go by many names. Vote yes on two. Amendments. Initiative 594. Propositions. Vote yes on Proposition 46. Referendums. Vote no on one. No on 21. And to some, there are country's purest expression of democracy. I'm not going to miss this vote. Can you no, this is important for my kids' future. Today, we round up the health policy questions that states are putting straight to the people. From the Enberg Studio at the University of Pennsylvania, I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is a special Election Day edition of Tradeoffs. By our count, 11 states plus Washington, D.C. have at least one health-related measure on their ballots this year. Voters in Louisiana and Colorado will weigh in on abortion access. In California, it's stem cell research and dialysis regulations. And in Washington it's sex education. But by far the most popular topic is drugs, tobacco, marijuana, even magic mushrooms. We've invited University of Maryland law professor Kathy Hoke to dive a little deeper here, starting with the five states considering measures on marijuana. So Kathy, before we get to the ballot measures themselves, can you help us understand when something like marijuana legalization ends up going directly to the voters? Why is that usually the case? I think the reason they go to the ballot is the reason, frankly, almost anything somewhat controversial goes to the ballot, such as gay marriage, right, Um, is because legislators have a fear of casting that vote. Um, You may be able to tell them that 75% of Americans support at least medical uh, marijuana, if not recreational use marijuana, and yet they are afraid to cast that vote. Let's set the stage. What is the state of the state laws on marijuana heading into this election, and no pun here, at a high level? Where are things as of today? So as of today, 33 states have medical marijuana access and 11 states have recreational access. And Within those medical marijuana states, there is a great deal of variation between who can participate on the business end, who can have access, um, where can these products be made available, and then kind of the how. And so while there are 33 states, there are probably 33 different laws and 33 different programs on the medical access. You see slightly more uniformity in the 11 recreational use states. Obviously, marijuana is still illegal at the federal level, but what's the general attitude or approach to state action on marijuana? So under the Obama administration, the Department of Justice had issued letters, essentially letters of assurance um, to those participating in um, state regulated medical cannabis programs that there would not be federal action if there was compliance with the state regulation. The Trump administration pulled those letters of assurance, if you will, um, didn't replace them with anything. 
So if you're waiting around for the feds to do something about marijuana, I say, don't hold your breath. <laughs> Exhale. <laughs> you know that was bad, right? Yeah, pun intended. <laughs> yes, <I do. laughs> and Kathy, what's really the main policy motivation for these states moving to legalize marijuana? I do think that, by and large, states that have adopted particularly the recreational use or the adult use, have done so in the hopes of bringing in a significant amount of revenue from regular sales tax, from an excise tax, and from the licensing scheme, right? Because in most states, the licenses cost a pretty penny. For the medical marijuana, it's more about providing access to care for people uh, who need it. Even in the recreational use states, there is another significant motivation, and that is principally the decriminalization of marijuana as a way to at least prevent additional harm to the communities that have been most impacted by the drug wars. Okay, so five states have some sort of initiative on the ballot this year relating to legalizing marijuana, either for recreational or medicinal use. If these five states end up passing these measures, do you think we could be near some sort of tipping point? I don't know if that means we're more likely to see federal action. But what I do think is, you know, some of these states are what I'd call tipping states. If New Jersey passes this recreational use, the close neighbors of Pennsylvania, Maryland, and New York, I think are com- very vulnerable to passing it themselves, um, both from a competition perspective, not wanting to lose the revenue, and from the social acceptability perspective. And then we look at the three other states, Arizona, Montana, and South Dakota, and you're looking at conservative states, red states, that will have adopted this provision And that may signal to other conservative states that are going to be in significant fiscal crisis as a result of the pandemic, that this may be a way to bring in money and that it is, you know, palatable from a political perspective, even in conservative states. Kathy says one interesting note about the measure in Arizona and Montana, both would make it easier to remove past marijuana-related convictions from a person's criminal record a provision not seen in earlier laws. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When legalizing marijuana first became a policy debate a decade ago, there's a lot of talk about, sorry for this, trade-offs. Yeah, sure, states could make big tax dollars, but at the same time, we might see more accidents caused by driving or being under the influence in some way or more young people getting hooked to these drugs. 
when you look at the data out of these early adopter states, Colorado, Washington, what's the story there? What has actually happened on these important public health questions? So far, the data tells us that we are in a good place from a public health perspective in permitting recreational use of marijuana as long as we keep our focus on preventing marketing to and access to youth, people under 21. And so concerns about massive increases in intoxicated driving, concerns about overuse, concerned about people um, maybe being not safe in their place of employment. We're not seeing it. I think the subtext there is people have been using marijuana in this country for decades. And so to the extent that recreational use becomes lawful, there's not a massive increase in the number of people who use it. It just changes who makes the money, how safe it is for people, and obviously you know, does away with the inequitable treatment from a criminal perspective. It sounds like what you're saying to us, Kathy, is that when you review the literature, there's no real downside that is coming as a result of these laws. Is that right? There's no downside? No is such a big word. (laughs) with its two little letters. Um, So I'm a smart enough lawyer to not say no downside. But the measures that we were looking for and concerned about that I mentioned, we're not seeing. As we're progressing through additional states, adding programs, there may be concerns that get, um, you know, that come to light. But right now, there aren't significant um, negative public health outcomes here that people feared. There's another kind of smoking on the ballot in a couple of states. Uh, Both Colorado and Oregon are proposing to increase cigarette taxes, but also to begin taxing e-cigarettes or vapes. What are the key policy considerations for this issue? So this is, I think, purely driven by a desire to increase revenue. Right. And the legislature has punted this or, you know, put it before the voters again so that they don't look like they're imposing a tax on people. And what about public health considerations? Are the taxes intended to curb smoking at all? Yes, there is some data that tell us, particularly for very young people. So we're talking our 14s to 16s are decreased likelihood of using these products, tobacco products of any sort, if they're priced out, right? They're very price sensitive. And we do know if we can keep kids away from smoking before they're 21, the likelihood of them becoming daily smokers is almost nil. But beyond that, we don't see a lot of shifting, even with increased taxes among adult users, because it is an addictive substance. So once you are addicted, you're going to sacrifice perhaps the Starbucks coffee. Well, I guess that's addictive too. So let me think of a different example. Uh, you know, you're going to give up perhaps um, you know, your Netflix subscription so that you can continue to purchase your cigarettes because you're addicted. There's also a couple of measures about 
mushrooms. Oregon's got one that would legalize mushrooms and other psychedelic plants for medical use. And Washington, D.C. is also considering a plan to effectively decriminalize these plants. It's called, and I love this, the Entheogenic Plant and Fungus Policy Act of 2020. Kathy, are these kind of progressive outliers or do they signal something bigger about where other states may be headed? I I like your term progressive outliers, and I think they are such outliers that they're lying outside of the science, right? I think we don't know yet enough about the use of these products. Um, So we would want to see far more to demonstrate the safety and efficacy of their use for medical purposes. And then we'd want to know far more about the impact on people for, um, you know, extensive or extended use over time. We simply don't have that data. One other measure in Oregon, decriminalizing small amounts of hard drugs like heroin and cocaine. Kathy says the state could decide on their own to de-emphasize arrests and prosecutions for those drugs, but that it's politically safer to let the people decide. They don't need a ballot measure for doing that. That seems like a discretionary approach by the police and by prosecutors, um, but they want to put it to the people before they decide. Kathy, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us on Tradeoffs. Absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Given the issues likely to come before the new, more conservative Supreme Court, abortion, same-sex marriage, Kathy expects state ballot measures to play an even more prominent role in elections to come. I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is Tradeoffs. If you enjoyed today's episode of Tradeoffs, remember, this type of journalism is made possible with your support. And your donation today is doubled. Just click on the big orange button at the top of our website, tradeoffs.org. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at tradeoffspod. And we'd be eternally grateful if you gave us a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you use. The Tradeoffs team is producers Ryan Levy and Vicki Stern, intern Sabrina Ems, communications and marketing manager Emily Patterson, researcher Jamie Song, partnerships lead Jessica Silverman, sound designer Andrew Perella, and senior producer Leslie Walker. The Tradeoffs theme song was composed by Ty Sitterman with additional music this episode from the New York military band and premier quartet, Jimi Hendrix and Blue Dot Sessions. Additional thanks to Trish Riley. Tradeoffs is supported in part by the California Healthcare Foundation, Arnold Ventures, and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Additional support from the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics and the Center for Public Health Initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania. The views expressed in this episode are those of the individuals and not those of Tradeoffs staff, advisors, or funders. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.